Welcome to Gathering Christ. I'm Tiffany Brown with Andrea Lindsay. We are here to learn the teachings of Jesus Christ so that we may heal, change, and become the women God and Jesus Christ intended us to be. In Doctrine and Covenants 6, 32, I'll paraphrase here, it says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of them. We need to find spaces to allow the Spirit to be in our midst. The Spirit allows the love of God to pierce us, and it is through the love of God that we heal, change, and become. Welcome to Gathering Christ. I'm Andrea Lindsay. And I'm Tiffany Brown. And we are excited to be able to talk to you today about the third point of President Nelson's talk on spiritual momentum. And he talks about to learn about God and how he works. And there's really not a more exciting topic. We were just kind of going over things yeah, right I think, before. I think it's one of the most important basic principles of the doctrine or the basic doctrine is truly knowing who God is and how he works. So, Yes, and I think that's why it appears in Lectures on Faith. Now, those of you not familiar with Lectures on Faith, you can Google it. It's on the internet and it's excellent in helping us to understand if we want to know God, here's the principles behind that. First, or we have to know that he exists. So if we want to reach out to God, we have to believe he's there. And that's easiest if we're just willing to pray. If we start praying we and talking to him, then and really believing that he's there, that's where it can open up. Um, second is a correct idea of his character, his perfections, and his attributes. And this one's huge. We'll have to dive into that a little bit more later on in the show. And then thirdly, the actual knowledge that the course of life which he is pursuing or that we are pursuing is according to his will. For without an acquaintance of these three important facts, the faith of every rational being must be imperfect and unproductive. But with this understanding, it can become perfect, fruitful, abounding in righteousness and the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I read this, I get God has to be revealed to be known. And one of the greatest principles that I think, well, I'm going to back up Andrea there on the lectures on faith was written by Joseph Smith. I just wanted to put that out there. I think sometimes in the gospel we think, okay, I am working for eternal life and I want to get to eternal life. And in eternal life is some distant future that we want to be part of. And in John 17, 3, it reads, Now this is eternal life, that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And so to me, eternal life is today. It's right now, in the moment, in the hard things that we're asked to go through, that we know God and Jesus Christ now, and that we come in their presence today, not when I'm dead. That, that I, I do today. And as I've been studying in the Come Follow Me right now, um, I'm, when we're recording this, the Israelites are out wandering for 40 years in a journey that should have only taken 12 days. 
So I think sometimes we misunderstand that we are so much like those Israelites, that we are out wandering for 40 years and it's painful and it's hard. And how do we understand God in the hard moments, in the trying moments, in the when sometimes we're like, is there even a divine ear listening? And I think we all have those moments personally. The prophets definitely experienced excruciating things, but I want to kind of go to just the normal, average, everyday kind of saint that is just trying to do what's right. Uh, when we were talking about this topic and I was first thinking about it, I, a story that goes around a lot during the Doctrine and Covenants years about what happened in the Willie Martin Handcart Company. For those that are listening that may not know and be familiar with that story, well, the William Martin Handcart Company uh, left too late in the year, and because of that leaving late, they hit bad weather, and they didn't have enough food. Uh, they No town could support them as they were going through, so they had to just keep going. The saints are starving, they're freezing to death, and this is a terrible thing, so bad that the members are really <laughs> upset of it, about it after. You know, they're like, how could we have let this happen? Look at these people. And here's the famous the famous story is the man that's listening to everyone's criticism of the church and how this this horrible situation had arisen. Um, this elderly man said, I ask you to stop this criticism. You are discussing a matter you know nothing about. Cold historic facts give no proper interpretation of the questions involved. Mistake to send the handcart hand company out so late in the season? Yes, but I was in that company and my wife too. We suffered beyond anything you can imagine and many died of exposure and starvation. We became acquainted with God in our extremities. I have pulled my handcart when I was so weak and weary from illness and lack of food that I could hardly put one foot of the other. And I have looked ahead and seen a patch of sand or a hill slope, and I have said, I can go that far, and there I must give up, for I cannot pull the load through it. I have gone on to the sand, and when I reached it, the cart began pushing me. I have looked back many times to see who was pushing my cart, but my eyes saw no one. I knew then that the angels of God were there. Was I sorry I chose to come by handcart? No, neither then nor any minute of my life since. The price we paid to become acquainted with God was a privilege to pay. And I, I've heard similar stories going now in, you know, that people have gotten illness from COVID or other things and that they're like, would I choose this illness? No but I have come to know God in a way that I have never known him before. And I think that that is truly the miracle is turning to God in our, in these hard times and trying, you can't know God without spending time with him. Yeah. And I think we have to adequately define where the source of, of what's going on. What's the source of turmoil and or who's the source of turmoil and who, who's the source of peace 
I think part of the problem that comes in coming to know God is incorrectly labeling Satan's works as God's. Somehow he's, he's not allowed to do anything. <laughs> Satan is allowed to cause as much havoc as we allow him by our actions, by our lack of faith, by our lack of keeping commandments. He, he has greater power. Now, one, one thing that we have to do, too, is correct the misunderstanding in our thinking. Like Joseph Smith said, you have to have a correct understanding of his attributes, his character, and his perfections. Now, here in the April 2000, 2022, the power of spiritual momentum, the prophet says, one of our greatest challenges today is distinguishing between the truths of God and the counterfeits of Satan. That is why the Lord warned us to pray always that we may conquer Satan, that we may escape the hands of the servants of Satan that do uphold his work. So we've got Satan, we've got servants of Satan, and the only way to come off conquer is to pray, to begin to have that conversation with God, come to know him. That's really truly our best weapon in this, this fight of mortality, and it is a fight at times and 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 very very difficult but if we remember from the the man's experience it's in our extremities it's when we are pushed to our limit that the lord can then endow us with more power and so being pushed to your limits isn't it a, a bad thing it's an opportunity to invite god into your life to gain greater spiritual capacities and and greater skills in being his servant. So it's it's a good thing, not a negative. And I think we have to properly label what's going on because I see a lot of improper labels saying this is God's work, but God doesn't work like that. He does not do that. And so I can see the wisdom in President um, Nelson's challenge to us. Well, and I think also when you're speaking about that, and President Nelson, I think he even talked about this maybe Maybe the conference before, but he talked about absolute truth. But I, I think it was Anthony Sweat put a post, and I was looking for it, and I can't find it right now. But he talked about living in a day and age where truth is based on perspective. And I'm like, oh, you described our day and age so accurately, where truth isn't, there isn't an absolute truth. It is based on our perspective and of our experiences in life. And he went on and he said that truth, he quoted the scripture from New Testament where Christ says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And, and he talks about how truth isn't a concept. Truth is Jesus Christ. And where God is, Christ is. And in learning about God, we learn about Christ. Vice versa. If we learn about Christ, we learn about God. And, um, and they are truth. They're, they embody truth. So if you want to know what truth is, you learn who they are. There's absolutely no other way than by revelation to come to know God. It is, it is the method of giving up the natural man or woman and accepting our true identity as children of God and allowing that revelation to come in. So if you're having a particularly hard time, which I think... 100% of the people I've been talking to are um, having a hard time in their lives. It's There's a lot of difficulties going on in the world and going on in personal lives and levels. 
But if we can remember just a few things that will propel us into gaining the revelatory insights we need to get out of these messes and realize that we are agents and we we may be being acted upon, but our choice to act is our own. And the choice to seek God in the difficulties will only result in good experiences. He is always there, but he has to be invited. See, Satan doesn't respect agency. He works by pushing his will and by demanding and, and coercing. But God, on the other hand, invites. He calls, he persuades. We've talked about this him before, you know, and he directs. But it's all on our agency. It's all by our choice. So Elder Scott gave several talks about acquiring spiritual knowledge. And one of them that he gives called Acquiring Spiritual Knowledge, he, he talks about the path to do that. He said, to acquire spiritual knowledge and to obey with wisdom, one must, number one, in humility seek divine light. So this backs up uh, Joseph Smith. We have to understand his character, his attributes, his perfections. Exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, I think parents want to um, save their children from the repentance process because they're like, oh, they're going to feel really bad. I don't want them to feel really bad. But it's like, no, 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 no. Godly sorrow is a good thing. Being able to recognize they've done something wrong is a good thing. Helping them to repent and recognize and invite God back into their life and ask for forgiveness also a good thing. And again, it's it's a use of exercising faith. It takes faith to repent. And actually, a lot of faith in the scriptures that calls it exceeding great faith, the faith that leads to repentance. And so we go on, hearken to his counsels. If we want to know God, we're going to have to keep commandments. We're going to have to keep our covenants. We're going to have to keep our promises. Most of the times where I received answers to my prayers was when I was trying to help somebody else and an insight came and I was like, oh, okay, that's totally what I need to do. But I wasn't trying to find my answer. I had prayed to find my answer, just, you know, got lost in helping somebody else. And, and then all of a sudden a little whisper came and it was totally the answer that I needed to do. So we need to seek his counsel, hearken it to it, and we need to keep his commandments. And and then he said, if we understand, okay, it must be understood, valued, obeyed, remembered, and then expanded. And he he says the importance of writing things down. And I, and our prophet has said that too. He's like, write down your promptings mm -hmm. and how you followed them. And to, you need to keep track of this. It is the way, there is no shortcut. To coming to know God. It is a process that takes time, a lifetime. I um I love all of those in humility, exercise faith, but I just was thinking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, I love them. And and there, which I, I actually do have to say that is kind of embarrassing, because um on my mission on P Day, I was in Vermont and I went on this um there's a Land Rover like course and you can take your Land Rover and you can see all the cool things that Land Rovers do. <laughs> and so for P-Day, that's what we went and did. We went and got to test drive these Land Rovers and um, drive on the course, which was super fun. But the, the guide 
um, was sitting there talking to us about scriptures and he starts talking to me about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I know who they are. Totally embarrassed. I'm told that I have no clue who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. So they're best buddies with Daniel. Um, <laughs> if anyone else is sitting there thinking, I don't know who they are either. That's okay. They're best friends with Daniel. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, were commanded not to pray or that they were going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. And they, they come and the king's like, we're going to throw you in the furnace. And they said, we're going to follow our God. And whether we die, we die. But God is still God. Independent of the situation. Independent of the outcome. We might die in the furnace, but we still completely have faith in God. And so I, and I like to pair them with the three virgins of Oneida in um, the Pearl Great Price. In Abraham, when Abraham is on the altar, he's about to be sacrificed. He has this vision of these three virgins and they were sacrificed on this altar. And I just kind of sometimes want to think about them when it doesn't work out because they were virtuous and they were holy and they were doing everything right and it didn't work out for them. They were sacrificed. And I just think, oh, I think that maybe in heaven they married Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> but it worked out for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown in the fire, but they weren't burned and they came out and they had things they needed to do. But the three virgins of Oneida were sacrificed. And I think that they prayed and begged for their lives, but it didn't work out the way they hoped that it would. So they had that humility. They had that understanding. And I just love how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego put it. God is still God, regardless of the outcome. Oh, I love that comparison. That's a really in insightful comment. And I appreciate that. I think, I think it's really important when we are seeking and cultivating the gift of humility, because it truly is a gift of the Spirit, to always be wanting to learn and, and to grow and to that we remember a few things about humility. Humility is essential. This comes again from acquiring spiritual knowledge by Elder Scott. Humility is essential to acquiring of spiritual knowledge. To be humble is to be teachable. Humility permits you to be tutored by the Spirit. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go in there, they're like, he'll save us, but if not. They were willing to be teachable, even in that moment of this harrowing moment, right? They, they were willing. And so we know a little bit more about that story because we get that, that insight. The seeds of personal growth and understanding germinate and flourish in the fertile soil of humility. Um, fruit is spiritual knowledge to guide you here and hereafter. And he goes on to say later in the talk, now the Lord will give us gifts. He will quicken our minds. He will give us knowledge that will be so deeply rooted in our souls that it can never be rooted out if we will just seek for the light and understanding which, which is promised to us and which we can receive if we, if we will only be true and faithful to every covenant and obligation pertaining to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is a quote that he's quoting uh, Joseph Fielding Smith in, in his talk. And I love it when there's an apostle and, and we sustain him as a prophet, seer, and revelator, quoting another prophet because it just, it's by the mouth of two or three witnesses that everything is established. And 
we see the pattern over and over again that humility is required. And what happens, you know, prior to the brother of Jared being able to see God or see Jesus Christ and have him unveiled to him, he's chewed out for four hours. Can you imagine? I don't know if you've ever had a lecture from your parents and, um, and, and let alone G Jesus, okay, like to be chewed out for four hours. And I think some humility would have been part of his character at that point, okay, because of the result that he gets to see him, you know, yeah. he gets to have that experience. But don't try to protect your children from repentance because we're trying to keep them away from God if we're doing that. It, it is so critical that we teach them that repentance is a gift. It's a joy. It's, it's coming to know God. It's beginning to exercise our faith. It's okay. It's okay. We all fall down. We all make mistakes. Let's, let's go to the Lord and he'll help us heal from it. And that's what I, the joy in repenting, right? When we talked about that last week, that truly it is a joy and a gift that, and someone in Sunday school one day said, I want my kids to know that this is the gospel of repentance. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have known that when I was a teenager, that this isn't the gospel of perfection. This is the gospel of repentance. And that was the plan all along. And um, I think sometimes as a teenager, that we're trying to escape repentance and it's unescapable. It, it, it it's yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And to become like God, we have to repent. And I think that that's truly coming to know God. We have to be like God. And that that's hard. If you think about the things that Christ went through and that God goes through, that's hard. Forgiving grudges and being people being cruel. And it, it's hard to become like God and to see see other people the way he sees them, to truly love them the way he loves them. I just, I remember um, even President Irene gave it in two, two different circumstances in the same conference. But he talked about how his little boy was jumping on the bed and President Irene was right. so mad. And he grabbed him by the shoulders and he was ready to shake him. And the spirit whispered, you are holding a celestial being. And he slowly put him down and like wrinkled out his clothes and... Um, and he just talked about if we can truly see people the way God sees them. And then another story, it was a different talk, but same conference. He was a bishop in California, and one of his members, I think, got pulled over for a DUI. <laughs> there was some sort of drunk driving situation, and he was in jail, and he and they called the bishop. And uh, President Eyring was furious that this man is bringing the name of the church, and and he's headed to the jail and all of this conversation is getting louder and louder in his mind and the spirit whispered and said he is a son of God and he truly at that moment saw this man the way he, God wanted him to see him and to love him and, and so he didn't come and chew him out and I think but that's hard that's hard to have that vision and that self-control to become like God oh I love that um and I like how real, when the prophets and apostles are sharing their real life stories and their experiences, I think it just gives us permission to also be real 
and 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 share hey you know what I I've had a, I've had an experience too where I felt the spirit like that you know directing me and changing the way I was viewing a situation and um, I want to go back to extremities because I think the extremities is the perfect environment for humility that's I, I, you can choose to be humble a lot easier in the extremity because you've worn out your strength and I think the Lord knew that I would need a lot of extremity in my life because I have had to deal with chronic illness for all my life I don't remember feeling well and um, chronic illness is doesn't have to become the whole focus of our lives um, I've found when when we allow Christ to be with us in these moments and there's purposes and there's plans and there's people that we need to meet there there's there's something important about what we're experiencing um, I remember feeling quite perturbed that I'm I'm going through yearly surgery trying to deal with a painful condition and thinking man there has got to be another way like there has got to be something better than this and I felt this quiet whisper and it was like there is but of course no other details were given <laughs> okay and, and I let I, I think it was President Oaks that talked about that there, there isn't an explanation that like, revelation doesn't usually come with explanations you know there's just like this this thing that we have to grasp first which is there is and then it's like how do I find it two years after that insight came to me as I'm searching everywhere for that thing I find something that's going to help my condition and 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 it shocked my doctors because within three or I think it was around just three months and my body was now in remission and because it is something you have to constantly keep under control with chronic illness it, it goes in remission it comes back if you get weak and um, so you have to you have to constantly stay on top of it but anyway I I um I was in remission and my my doctor's like well you can't be in remission for that and I'm like well I haven't been in for surgery lately, have I? <laughs> you know, it's just that it was it was a great opportunity to to be like, yeah, there are other things that can help us. And I think that that experience, I was like, man, I, I kind of felt I if I went back and I was totally honest about how I felt during that trial, it kept me from being able to have a normal like college experience. I I didn't get to go out and date. I was sick half the time, you know, and I had enough energy to do my schooling and that was about it. And I had enough energy to do my job because I was putting myself through school. And and so I was constantly sick. I was constantly looking for something. And um but I was looking for God during those times and I was reading my scriptures and I was finding insights here and there that really sh shored up my faith, helped me to recognize that this wasn't happening because I had done something wrong. I think we talked about that right in the beginning. Yeah. Like we have to properly label things, and and there is that wonderful scripture where in the, you know, they're talking about this poor man that was born blind. Okay, and the tradition at the time was that well somebody sinned, either his parents sinned or he sinned, 
and it was belief at the time that these were punishments from God. And Jesus corrects it by saying, this is, sometimes these happen so that the purposes of God can be made manifest. And I'm, of course I'm paraphrasing, the Lord says it way better. Um, but yeah, it's not because we've done something wrong or that we're bad people. It's just mortality, the fall. These kind of conditions are just normal, and sometimes it's so that the works of God can be made manifest. And I don't know how many times I've I've been able to testify to people and be like, "Oh yeah, I was able to get better. It took about three months, and I I I've had it in remission for oh 15 years or something like that." And they and they're like, "What?" You know, and I. Oh, that's why God wanted me to like go through this experience because there were going to be a lot of people suffering with the same struggle that would need a little, you know, point in a different direction than than they were prepared to go. And and I'm like, okay. So, I probably I don't know what we promised before we came to earth, but I do believe that if we're doing what our mission is, we can do it sick, we can do it well. <laughs> And really, we're, we just need to do it with the Spirit of the Lord. And it all works out. Well, and I think Andrea also touched on something that's important to realize. That she got a revelation, but not the solution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two years. Okay. That sometimes revelation <laughs> is, go figure it out. Um, we want the end from the beginning. We want the solution. We want the answer. And God likes to struggle. And it's so hard in this day and age where we have instant everything. Instant gratification with credit cards, instant internet. Even my kids, I'm like, oh, do you remember the days of dial-up where you had to sit and wait? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can almost do that dial-up tone. <laughs> but, like, they don't even understand. And so when they have a question, they want the answer. They think that they can Google the answer. And God's not Google. God doesn't um, just give an instant answer. That he, it's diff it's opposite. He's very opposite. And, and he lets us struggle and he lets us find the answer. Um, and that, that is revelation. And giving us just enough and then we have to work it out. And Yes. And you led perfectly into, again, Elder Scott's talk where he says, and he's talking about Jesus and his, his father. They know that essential personal growth will come as you struggle to learn how to be led by the Spirit. Initially, this can be daunting. Okay, he says that. But uh, he goes on to say, spiritually yields two fruits. Okay, um, following the Spirit and being humble. The first is inspiration to know what to do. The second is the power or the capacity to do it. And, and, and so... He's not going to leave you to do it all on your own, but he is going to expect that you work. And I love that, uh, okay, so Joy D. D. Jones, when she talked about, isn't it better that our children um, sweat it out <laughs> at home and, and learn these lessons than bleed it out on the battlefield, I was like, wow, that's a powerful statement. Are we properly preparing our children for the battle zone? I mean, <laughs> my little boy's only nine. And every day he is in a battle zone at school. Every single day when he goes and he comes back and we have to discuss things. And and one, one time he came back and he's like, Mom, 
they're teaching Satan's lies at school. And I'm like, oh no, what did they say? Well, the, the experience that he had um, was very interesting because he tried to stand up for um, God's plan and Adam and Eve and how they were the first parents. And, and um, the teacher decided that that was wrong and that was her personal opinion and she kind of a little incorrectly pushed her opinion on onto my son saying that he was wrong. Well, it all gets worked out and every everything turns out okay, but I'm really grateful for my little boy who immediately was like, this isn't right. There's something wrong about this. And he had a sweet little friend sitting next to him and he's like, she's lying. <laughs> and I'm like, man, there's, this is, he was seven when this experience happened and, you know, everybody has their struggles. We're going to go to school. We're going to go to work. We're going to hear things that people are struggling with. And, and you know what? That's fine. I'm fine with people struggling. I'm fine with the struggle because my son got a really good opportunity to testify, to be backed up by a friend, to have it later worked out so that everybody was feeling a little bit more like, okay, this is how we present something when there are different belief systems because the school has many different religions in it. I mean, we all have to be respectful of everyone's faith, everyone's feelings, and but at the same time, that means we have to be respectful and we can't tell little boy no that he's wrong. You know, like we have to be respectful of his religious beliefs as well. And so I thought it was a really good opportunity. Everybody walked away going, okay, this is how it needs to be handled in the future. So everybody walks away going, okay, you can have your personal belief about this. And and I think that's unfortunately the outgrowth that you're talking about earlier where, you know, it's it's truth from a perspective. And, and we hear a lot of times your truth. And I think what we need to be careful is you can have your experience. You can have your struggles. That's fine. But we cannot muddy ultimate truth and eternal truths. We have to be seeking after eternal truths. And I had a professor say, never be guilty of sifting the gospel through your discipline, but sift your discipline through, through the gospel. Make sure that you are square and you are solid on the things that are true and eternal so that you don't get lost in this world of opinions. And we have to be very careful. I think we're in dangerous territory if we flip our tie over our shoulder. Now, this is the gospel according to. We do not have that kind of time anymore. We, we have time to learn the truth, understand the truth, and deal with the mess we're in. We do not have time to entertain opinions. So be very careful if you're at, at church and, and you're tempted to say the gospel according to you. Because... None of us are going to be edified by by anything less than eternal truth. Well, and as you were talking about that, I was thinking how how vast God is. And I think I was just thinking about different ways of communication. And a good friend of mine, she she laughs at me, and it's totally fine because I am a terrible, terrible. You're not terrible at anything. Oh, 
phone conversation. You've oh, never, I can okay. text you, I can walk with you, <laughs> I can talk with you in person, but the minute you get me on the phone, like I can't hear very well, and I'm like, it, it just is an awkward situation talking yeah. on the phone. And so I'm grateful for text messages because that's just totally made my communication much better. And I think when we have, when we think of God, he has vast ways of communicating with us <laughs> and figuring out how he communicates with us. And so when when you're talking about standing up for truth and and seeking and being in, having that, I Michael Wilcox talks about your pivot foot, having one foot solid on Jesus Christ and the foundation of the gospel. But then it, it, he talks about it kind of like, What's that compass called when you draw a circle? You're the math lady. I think it's called a compass, but it's not a compass in north and south compass. So like you put Oh, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you put the metal in this and you want a bigger circle so then and your other foot goes with the pencil around and then you can get it wider and wider. But your one solid foot has to stay put. And he talks about how we can open up to different truths. There is truth everywhere, and there are good people everywhere with truth who need us to hear them, like our our brothers and sisters in other faiths, and that they need us to also be a good listener, and that we shouldn't also be the authoritative, that they might have things that we need to hear, but that we might see God in music, we might see God in art, we might see God in literature. Um, that he is the vast symphony in all things. So, yeah, it's called a compass. Yep, we looked it up. <laughs> I so. Googled it. <laughs> Google is an awesome tool. <laughs> but you know what I use Google? You know how I use Google effectively when I want to do a search um, for something in the gospel? I just type in, you know, like who I think said it, like, I think Elder Holland said this, or I think Elder Scott said this. And I type in their name and I always put like LDS or, or something in the tagline so that I can look at sites that the church is doing, like LDS.org and all of the, um, well, and now it's properly called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.org, right? right? So they've changed that. But but still, you can use the abbreviation and that it will take you to the correct site. But it's amazing that when I do that, I'm like, oh, okay, like, because I trust those sources. I, I have had so many experiences. There has not been a time that I have taken a question to conference that I have not got an insight to keep me going if the answer's not able to come at that exact moment or the exact answer that I needed every single time. So for me, conference is like sweet, you know, like I'm going to be able to get some prayers answered here. I'm going to get some direction on how to help my family, how to, how to strengthen um, whatever's wrong in my heart, you know, because I'm always seeking to just root out the incorrect thinking. And I'm sure I have a ways to go. I'm not like putting myself up as a person that is without misunderstanding, but everything that I've known through the Holy Ghost, it's, I just trust these sources. Like General Conference and the scriptures are wonderful, pure sources. And then ultimately taking what we've learned from that and and getting our own personal revelation about it, our own personal confirmation. There's no shortcuts if we want to come to know God. We have to study. We have to look for His 
hand in things. You know, a lot of people are pretty depressed about the war, and it is depressing, and it is awful. And I and I have spent crying because I've got friends there, and I I I've now calmed down a little bit instead of checking the news 20 times a day. It's only like three or four times a day. And, uh, but as we've been praying as a family specifically for challenges that we're seeing arise, we've also been able to see how those prayers are being answered and, and how we can just keep doing this, like to be a support. And I know President Uchtdorf talked about pray. Like if you don't know what to do to help, pray. And prayer is not a sign of throwing your hands up in the air and I can't do anymore. No, prayer isn't a form of work. It's exercising our faith. And where we can't be sent, his angels can be. And there are people that are going over to the border and they're helping people and they're doing all these amazing things. And I'm just, I'm, I love, now I'm seeing God working in this horrible thing that was not inspired by him. There's no way God would inspire what is happening to those poor, his children. These are his children. He would not inspire any kind of violence against them. But he is in the getting out, the miracles that are happening to help people. Well, I think that's the right. God said that he won't let any unhallowed hand stop his work from progressing. Yeah. He makes bad, he makes good things out of bad situations. But I just was on Sunday, um, a lady in our ward was giving a talk. Her son is serving in the Czech Republic. Oh. And it reminded me, because didn't you say you had a counselor in your Relief Society presidency? Yeah, from Natalia Yurovskovska. So if she's listening, I've been looking for you for years. <laughs> You've got to find me. <laughs> <laughs> she is from the Ukraine, correct? Yeah, yeah, she's from Ukraine. So anyway, she was telling us about this this man who had, um, I think, a volleyball player come and play from the Ukraine. And she has gone back to the Ukraine. And this bishop and his wife were called to serve in, um, where did I say here? Czech Republic. In the Czech Republic. And there are a couple missionary, and the mission president just kind of gave him the keys to the van. And this this girl who had this relationship with them said, um, sent him a message and said, come get my mom and dad. So they drove and got her mom and dad. And a week later, she's like, come and get so-and-so. And they have created this. So they've been driving back and forth from the border, getting people out. And um, oh. she just talked about how Europe has just wrapped their arms around the Ukrainians um, and just is welcoming them into their country. And, yeah. and it's just, yeah, it, it's heartbreaking. Those things are heartbreaking. It is, but it's, it's so beautiful to watch God rise up in people and see like people that you may not have thought or had good opinion of that are in the limelight, you know, just go and do something incredibly brave and helpful. So I think we, we can soften, we can be humble through these experiences and we can see the hand of God. He is He is in the details and there isn't a pain, but we have to invite him in. He has to come in by invitation. So our, our desire to come to know him has to be a full free will offering. And then we have to invite his tutoring process. And sometimes that's chronic illness for your entire life. Sometimes it's, it's, um, 
doing something really hard, like going on a mission to the Czech Republic and seeing the the torture these people, these poor souls have been through. And But being part of the solution is healing. Being being a part of, of God's work um, to just destroy Satan's power, that feels great. And and that is who we are. That's that's what this is about. I loved when Andrea said seeing God's hand and and actually and I know your prayers aren't supposed to be repetitious, but one of my prayers that I pray constantly is that I will have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because I know without a doubt that my eyes don't see clearly. That and and I just pray that I can see his hand. And I think when Andrew talked about writing those things down, that's kind of what the gift gives. It gives you the ability to yeah. see. And I think that that gift is a great gift to see the hand of God because it's there. It, it, it is there in your life, but to actually see it and recognize it is a gift. And so a challenge would be to pray for the gifts to, the gift to come to know God, to be patient in the process and to be able to recognize his hands. That may sound like a mouthful to pray for, but you know, we're only limited by our our own limitations. I mean, God is an unlimited God. He has more gifts than we can even enumerate. So don't get bogged down in the list that's in Doctrine and Covenants 46, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or um, uh, Moroni 10. Don't get bogged down in those lists and think that, that those are the only spiritual gifts. There is a spiritual gift for every weakness that we have. And so be creative, okay? Like look at your weakness, honestly, and find the opposite. And there's the gift of the Spirit that we need. And be willing to do the work to keep your covenants, to keep the commandments, and ask for these gifts and let the Lord bestow them in his own due time. One time I prayed for a gift, and no lie, I felt different after the prayer. And I was like, hey, I'm a little confused because I thought I was going to have some torturous experience first. <laughs> then, then I would get the gift, you know, because that had been similar to something I'd experienced in the past. But but I felt a, an answer come and it was like, because you've already done the work. And, and sometimes I really truly believe if we could just like picture above our head, there's sometimes like an umbrella filled the from the, it, but it's upside down. And it's filled with all of these gifts that are just waiting for us to have the faith to ask for them. And then the umbrella turns and dumps it all on, on you in a really downpour of, of spiritual blessings. So um, don't be afraid to ask for the gifts and the capacities to come to know God because this is a life eternal that we may know them. No, thank you for all of your support and listening. We um, are so grateful for that. And just know that God is mindful of you, and he wants you to reach out and seek and find him. Mm -hmm.